From the first step to the final phase, industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. I uh, do want to thank r Car Company locations in South Bend and Warsaw, Columbia City. You can find them online at rbcarcompany.com. All right, so there was just a press conference with the, the local authorities there in Texas talking about uh, the shooting in Uvalde. And if you go to, if you go to Fox News right now, um, they got a story about the the grandfather and the mother of the shooter. And I want to remind everybody that there was apparently, according to some people who used to work with the shooter, he would post videos on Instagram where police were called to his house and he was screaming and yelling at his mom. Of course, we know that he killed his grandmother. It's um, it's an ugly story. I mean, it, the entire thing is ugly, obviously, with the victims involved. 19 kids, two adults, and, and you know, that may still change at this point in time. Um, so here's what Texas DPS has, has said. They said that the door to the elementary school was unlocked. Now, I've been telling you for years. I've been giving you technology for years. Dan Bongino went over this technology just the other day on his show. But I even highlighted new stuff that is out there. That you can get. One of them was invented by a high school student. And it's just a it's a steel bar that goes underneath the door. And you can't open the door. You know, there are things out there that are really affordable. That don't cost a lot of money. That every school should have in every classroom. Now, I'm not saying that that would prevent every shooting at a school. That's certainly not the case. Nobody's trying to to make that claim. However, if the school is informed that there is a shooter, the lockdown order goes out. Every classroom goes on lockdown. You're covering the door so nobody can see in, okay? The door gets locked. Nobody walks into the classrooms. Nobody kills kids. Nobody kills teachers. That's That's the goal of all of this. Minimize the loss of life. So the door was unlocked. This is what I was afraid of. And, you know, initially when we were covering the story as it was breaking, I was telling you, look, there's a lot of field days that are happening right now. I don't know if the kids were just in the gym. They were going in and out and doing activities. I don't know what was going on. It's the end of the school year. You know, different things are happening on school campuses right now that frankly will make kids vulnerable. Then we saw some of the video clips of the shooter outside the school. Initially, we didn't know it was a school. It ended up being the school. And that it wasn't a field day situation. It was just the school was open. The school was open. I don't know what else to tell you. It, it's just a terrible, terrible thing to have something like this. Now, a lot of these schools, obviously, they have multiple, you know, some private schools. We've seen a lot about the private schools, with the, uh, the guard who has a bullpup rifle, and, you know, this is who protects our kids every single day. There's a lot of those in the U.S. There's a lot. And that is a great thing. It is a fantastic thing. Um, now, when you have buildings, you've got to have fire escapes. And so you're going to have doors and things like that that are all over. The problem is that a lot of times schools just leave them unlocked so everybody can get in and out and that sort of stuff. Uh, sometimes you've got staff that smokes and they've got to go to a, a smoking area, which is, of course, away from the kids. You're not allowed to be seen by the kids and that sort of thing. And 
People get a little lazy. You know, every building has like the locked door that everybody leaves open. We do too. And it's, you got to get on people because sometimes they, they leave it open a little bit too long and it's not something that you're, you're supposed to do. The door was open. How many lives would be saved if the door was closed? He had already wrecked the, the truck that he was driving. He's not going to be able to drive anywhere else. He's got to walk. What could have happened? What could have happened had the school done basic, basic security? That's the real question that needs to be asked here. And I know that everybody is focusing on, you know, what his motivations were and, and the guns that he used and all that stuff because, again, politics. But at the end of the day, why is it that we have gotten this far with all of these recommendations that have been proposed and schools still haven't done it? So uh, somebody cracked the math on this. You know, we sent $40 billion to Ukraine, right? Now, we denied $48 billion in, in assistance to restaurants and small businesses who were affected by the lockdowns. We, we didn't do that. We didn't pass that. Same week. Same week. We sent $40 billion to Ukraine, denied $48 billion for Americans. But do you know that that's roughly $400,000 for every public school to upgrade their security? $40 billion gives every school in the U.S. about four hundred grand. Now, if we go back to what happened... In the, uh, the Florida shooting. Remember, that was a school that had money for security updates. They didn't do them. They just chose to keep it in a bank account. They didn't do the updates. Uh, there's a report out. We'll go over here in a little bit that shows that, you know, after all of this time, after Virginia Tech, the worst shooting in, in uh, campus history, friendly reminder, carried out by an Asian guy with handguns, just in case anybody's at all concerned with the demographics of it shouldn't matter but that's what happened a report came out with recommendations for campus security and they found that most schools haven't implemented that stuff why you know schools are going to give you the easy answer here they're going to go hey um you know we don't have the budget to do some of this stuff First of all, yes, you do, because there's federal funds that got siphoned off to public schools for security upgrades. That happened, okay, multiple administrations ago. Schools just chose not to do it. Whether they rerouted those funds somewhere else, whether they just neglected to use them, whatever the, the circumstances are, they were given funds to do that. There are schools that still have COVID funds. We cracked the math on the COVID funds that were going to some of the local schools. Doesn't make any sense how much money they were getting from the federal government. They certainly didn't spend that much. So where did that money go? Well, it didn't go to security. It didn't go for building maintenance because some of these same schools who have this money sitting there are now asking for tax increases. Not just here, but everywhere in the country. So the question that people need to really be asking is why are schools around the country not taking basic steps to protect kids? And dare I say, this goes back to the school bus seatbelt issue, too. Public schools just have never really cared about the safety of your children. They just haven't. They haven't taken it seriously. And I don't know if it's one of these things where they just assume that because kids are precious, they won't be targeted. Look, you know that that isn't the case. It's a gun-free zone. In the vast majority of places, those are the places that are targeted. That's where the maximum amount of damage can be done. That's where the shooter can become well-known in death. 
which is oftentimes all they're seeking. They're just seeking some notoriety. They want to be noticed. And they're okay if they're dead when they get noticed. But even if you got schools out there going, we don't have the money to do these things, it doesn't cost you anything to lock the door. It costs you nothing. And I'm telling you right now, any school, any school district who goes to the, the parents of the community and says, look, we need to raise your taxes. We need this much money. This will be a temporary tax. But I know there's no such thing as a temporary tax. But I'm just saying, if schools were trying to be honest here and actually fix the problem instead of being the, the politicians and bureaucrats that they are and try to steal money from you, if a school would go, look, we got to raise this much money. If we do it over two years, it'll increase your property taxes by this much, and we'll be able to put in an entire security barrier at the entrance of the school with a lock, with a surveillance system, that we can remotely let people in, and they can only get in through this little area, and they have to come into the office, and then then we can deal with them. But they don't do that. Now, a lot of times it's because the administration is not honorable. And they're just trying to go ahead and do what they can to get as much money from you as possible and use it for pet projects and that sort of thing. One of the most egregious stories, and I understand that this isn't technically related, but the reason that I bring this up is because this is an example of how corrupt these schools can be sometimes. And I'm not accusing any local school district of doing this. I'm just pointing this out as an abroad sort of an example. When I was in Washington State, they fired a bunch of teachers from a school citing that they didn't have enough money to keep any of these teachers. And, of course, it was, you know, homeowners' faults because they weren't paying their fair share, property tax, and all that other stuff, right? So what they did is they fired some teachers from the school, just like a handful of them, and then they spent like a hundred grand or something on this really expensive espresso cafe inside the teacher's lounge. So you're running around telling everybody that you can't afford to keep these teachers, and yet... You upgraded a teacher's lounge to be some high-end cafe, which, of course, costs taxpayer dollars, which could have retained a couple of those teachers. In the Clark County School District, where I'm from, one of the things that they do is they spend their money on landscaping and maintenance of said landscaping. Keep in mind, this is xeriscaping, which is desert landscaping that doesn't cost that much, but palm trees aren't very cheap. So they would, do, they would spend their money there instead of actually putting it in the classroom. I mean, it's just horrendous stuff. Just crazy to watch this stuff happen all over the country. I know in Elkhart, you got building issues in South Bend. You got building issues. You know, all of these wasteful dollars that are being used in places that should be going to the classroom and or security. They're not. At the end of the day, this this 18-year-old walked into an unlocked door. There's more to this that... I mean, people are starting to get really outraged now because this was an entirely preventable tragedy. It has nothing to do with the firearms. It has nothing to do with the individual in his past or anything like that. This is an entirely preventable tragedy. And the loss of life could have been minimized if certain things were done and they weren't. And parents are furious and rightfully so. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson. Michiana's Morning News on 95.3 MNC, your breaking news and weather station. All right, random trivia question for you that I'll answer later on in the program. How many Americans own a rifle? How many Americans own 
a rifle, according to official statistics. Once again, how many Americans own a rifle? We'll answer that a little bit later on. So we learned that the, uh, the school appears to have been unlocked. We know that the shooter, after wrecking their truck, got out, fired a couple of shots at the school. The, um, the police, who is the individual who did it? The Texas Department of Public Safety, uh, Texas Regional Director, Victor Escalon. South Texas Regional Director, okay? Victor Escalon. He's the one that gave the press conference earlier. And he says, we're going to find out as much as we can on why that door was unlocked. Maybe it was locked, but right now it looks like it was unlocked. We're going to find out with all the different agencies that are involved. We're working every angle that's available And we won't stop until we get all of the answers that we possibly can. Uh, He also said that reports of a school district police officer confronting the suspect were not accurate. So we we thought that he was engaged by school resource officers. That is not true. Uh, He walked in unobstructed initially. So from the grandmother's house to the bar ditch, to the school, into the school, he was not confronted by anybody, he said. To clear the record on that, four minutes later, law enforcement are coming in to solve this problem. So, uh, Grandma's still alive. We thought Grandma was dead. Grandma is still alive. Hospitalized after surgery is still not talking, according to family. So, we thought Grandmother was dead. Uh, The police are now addressing something else that is happening. There's video that now has surfaced of parents demanding that police go into the school while police were standing outside of the school, not engaging the gunman. Now, I want to be very careful with all of this. I understand this is also Texas. Uh, There's a good chance that those parents were probably armed themselves and could have gone into the school, but I I need everybody to understand something. Um, We're still looking into this, and he did address that at the press conference just about half hour ago. He says, look, we had people on scene within minutes, and the, the officers who were there in four minutes took fire from the shooter. So while there is video of parents who are alleging that police were outside between 40 minutes and an hour, not engaging the shooter, allowing him to continue to kill their kids, um, which is why this, this footage is very, very disturbing, and people are extremely upset. But we don't have all of the facts yet. Keep that in mind. And if there was a situation where law enforcement may have been on campus trying to find the shooter while parents are outside telling everybody to go in and parents were trying to go in themselves, imagine what would have happened if parents had gone in, armed themselves, while authorities were also in there looking for the shooter. That could have gone very sideways really quick. So we don't have all of the details yet. They're still not really talking about this. We do have one of the uh, the siblings of one of the sheriffs saying that they spent a lot of time trying to get an angle on the shooter. I know that there were some reports that the shooter was using some cover while in the school, and they were trying to find a way to, to get around that cover in order to engage the shooter in the school. Um, so we're still waiting on all of that, okay? I don't want to throw uh, local law enforcement under the bus just yet. Uh, the narrative right now, according to angry parents, are police didn't enter the school, for 40 minutes to an hour, uh, you know, they arrived quickly, got shot at, and then hid and basically allowed him to go kill their kids. That's the narrative that is showing up right now. Until the Border Patrol showed up, Border Patrol goes in with other officers and takes the gunman out. So this is the narrative that's been set up, but we don't know if that's actually how this went down.
And I think that a lot of people are looking at this because we've got a previous school shooting where we've got the school resource officer who's outside, not engaging the gunman, not protecting kids, actively telling law enforcement to hold back and to not enter the school. And that gunman went through and killed more kids. So I think that there's a lot of of serious anxiety over that previous shooting that's looking at this and going, hey, you held back and now we've got 19 dead kids and two teachers who are, who are killed when you could have saved their lives. Maybe, maybe not. And he said he's going to look into it, but they're, they're not releasing a lot of data on that, which, by the way, looks very bad to a lot of people. So this is just what we got at this press conference here that, that happened. We know the school's been canceled for the rest of the year. Um, they postponed graduation and all that stuff in case any of you, you know, are, are at all interested in any of that. But um, so we're keeping an eye on this story that law enforcement didn't go in and that the shooter was basically walking around schools. But this kind of goes back to my other point here. Lock the school. Lock the school and give everybody the ability to lock their classroom. And then you don't have you don't have to worry as much about this stuff. It buys any teams that get there time to set up a good plan. If everybody is in the classrooms and they're basically sheltered away from the shooter and everybody kind of knows that and there's communication from inside those classrooms outside to the outside world and law enforcement is able to talk to those folks and get an assessment of what's happening in the school, then they're better able to put together a tactical plan they're better able to go into that that school. They're, they're better able to neutralize the shooter from multiple angles without having to worry about crossfire, without having to worry about kids, teachers, or any of that stuff. It just doesn't appear that any of that was in play here. That's, And again, I know that everybody's focusing on the gun and all that stuff just because of, of the politics of it. The real questions we have here is why this school was not being secured at all by faculty. And was that a mistake? Was that something that should have happened? Is that just a, we're a small town and, and we're not going to do this sort of stuff because it's a small town and we leave our doors unlocked? Is it one of those things? I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. I think This is a town with like 15,000 people or something like that. So this is, um, you know, this is an entirely preventable incident. You know, a lot of times these aren't preventable. But this was an entirely preventable incident. And that's what's going to make this hurt that much more. It's unfortunate, but it's the truth. There's a couple of other stories you're not going to get a lot of attention on from the news media, though. They don't want you to know about this stuff. We'll talk about that coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. This is Michiana's breaking news and weather stuff. To the final phase, industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw? R&B Car Company are your used car experts. All right, I am on Truth Social now. Everybody can be on Truth Social now. You don't have to wait anymore. You don't have to worry about an app or anything else. You just go to truthsocial.com. You can sign up for an account. Follow me, please, at Casey, the host, C-A-S-E-Y. I am on Truth Social. I'm not going to migrate that and Telegram to be my primaries. I'm, I'm not even focused on Getter anymore. Um, didn't really like Getter when I was on it, but, you know, I tried. <laughs> I tried, folks. It just didn't really work out for me. But uh, if you go to truthsocial.com slash Casey the host or at Casey the host, I'll, I'll be there. So, and 
this came up with somebody who was on Facebook trying to find me. Casey, the host, is one word. So either search for my real name or search Casey, the host, one word. No, no space, and you'll find my account. Okay, so there was an armed woman who has stopped a potential mass shooting at a Charleston apartment complex. News media is not covering that. You remember when I had the uh, the contract with the NRA to publish, you know, stories like this, and we would publish several a week, armed citizen stories about how armed citizens had protected their home, protected their neighbors, and and uh, prevented mass shootings with their firearms, which, by the way, happens a heck of a lot more than any criminal use of a firearm happens. Charleston police reported that a man was killed by a woman armed with a handgun after he opened fire on a crowd with an AR. Now, the shooter was a convicted felon who could not legally own a firearm. So how did he get the AR? Let me ask you a question. Kevin Sorbo posted this, but I want to ask you a question here. If you ban abortions and all that's going to happen is abortions will just be done illegally, wouldn't the same logic make sense for firearms? Just just asking. All those libs out there going, if you ban, if you repeal Roe v. Wade and you ban abortions, we're just going to do abortions illegally anyway. What do you think criminals are going to do with guns, you idiot? This is a convicted felon, can't own a gun, had an AR-15. Woman killed him with a handgun, which the news media loves to tell you is impossible, right? They love to give you that lie. Well, if they're armed with an AR, then you can't you can't take them out with a, with a pistol because they can just engage you at, at greater distances. That ain't how this works. But this isn't going to get any news. This guy, 37 years old, opened up on a crowd in Charleston. This woman with a handgun ended his life and saved everybody. Yeah, it's not on Fox. It's not on CNN. It'll probably be on Fox, you know, some point this week. It's not getting covered by anybody else. This is a woman, an armed citizen who prevented a mass shooting today. Well, yesterday. Now, the New York subway killer kind of getting buried because it happened the same day that what happened on Texas. But this guy's got 19 prior arrests, and he was only free because of bail reform. I'm sorry, who pushes bail reform policies again? That's right, anti-police leftists who think that the, the criminal justice system is just systemically racist. So this guy's got 19 prior arrests, was out because of bail reform, has three felony cases pending, completely unprovoked, murdered an innocent people on the subway. Well, an innocent person. Did I say innocent people? It's a person. Killed 48-year-old Daniel Enriquez. Completely unprovoked, according to witnesses. Just killed him. 19 prior arrests. How did he get his gun? It's asking questions here. Is the news media going to focus on the fact that this guy was out because of bail reform, which is being proposed by Chuck Schumer and Pelosi and AOC? They're going to talk about that or no? Probably not, right? I mean, they told you about the senseless killing on a subway. They told you about all of that. They sure did hold back on the mug shots, though. They didn't want you to see the mug shots. You know, wrong demographics, folks. Wrong demographics. But... Would be nice if the news media would cover these two stories. Got an armed citizen who just prevented a mass shooting in Charleston. You got a guy who murdered somebody unprovoked 
On the subway in New York, 19 prior arrests was only free because of bail reform. Had three pending felonies. News media doesn't want to tell you those stories. Then you got a school board member, okay? You got a dumb school board member in Uvalde, Texas. Because, again, by and large, I know there's two of you who are not this way, but by and large, school board members are the dumbest people in the country. They're the, the drunk socialites who are functioning alcoholics. They get elected to school board because nobody pays attention to them, and they just want to do something, right? They're bored. Well, a school board member named Nicole Cole, by the way, um, I don't know if that's a married name or if her parents just really hated her, Nicole Cole. She's a board member in Virginia, Spotslavania, Virginia. So she goes on on the Facebook, and she accused the shooter in Uvalde of being a white supremacist. Lady, you're stupid. I don't know what kind of boxed wine you hook to your veins every single day. You need an upgrade because clearly it's messing with your mind. But this is what they do. It's the NRA. It's white supremacy. Kids not even white. Yes, I know that some Hispanics identify as white. It's irrelevant. This is, um, this is pretty gross. It's gross stuff. Ignoring the fact that this is just a violent piece of trash. His race doesn't mean anything. It's not relevant. This wasn't a racially motivated crime at all. But this is what they want to do. And like like I started the show yesterday, you are dealing with people who don't actually care. The political class doesn't care about you. They don't care about your kids. They don't care about your food supply. They don't care about the quality of your water. They don't care about any of it. All they care about is how they can use whatever's in the news cycle to benefit them, their power, their wealth, and get you to go along with it. That's all they care about. Otherwise, we would not even have an election for Gretchen Whitmer. Come on. She hides. The the second city with lead poisoning in its water, she hid that from everybody for over two years. No massive media coverage of that scandal. What did they do to the last governor of of Michigan? It wasn't even his fault. But what did they do to the last governor of Michigan, Republican? Every single day. That was in the news cycle, right? Every single day. Same story. She knew about it and actively hid it from people, which is exactly what they accused him of doing. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. All right, a little earlier, I gave you some trivia. What is the correct number, based on statistics, of Americans who own a rifle? Not an AR, not an AK, just any rifle. How many Americans own a rifle, according to data? The correct answer is almost 57 million Americans own a rifle of some kind. 57 million, just under. You assume, um, based on this data only being 18 and up, that there will be a few who probably own a rifle that is in the care of parents. So, again, about 57 million Americans own a rifle. How many people 
are killed illegally with a rifle every year in the United States. Anyone? Between 400 and 600. Depends on the year. I think last year was uh, between four and 500. So let's just say 500, okay? So we got 57 million, right? Got 57 million, you got 500. So your chances of being killed with a rifle in the United States, 0.00087%. 0.00087%. Yeah. Um, We've done this in the past. We've gone through, like, various other ways that people die in this country. And, yeah. Uh, You're more likely to get murdered with somebody's bare hands than a rifle of any kind. And that includes bolt actions and, and everything else, okay? Just normal hunting rifles, not... Not uh, modern sporting rifles or aggressively styled hunting rifles, whatever you want to call them, you know, ARs and AKs. So you are more likely to be beaten to death with somebody's fist than to be killed by a rifle at any point. And it has been that way for decades. And it is not changing. I realize when you have these big events that happen that everybody focuses on that. But as I've told you before, There is a strategy here. The strategy is to ban ARs and AKs. That's the strategy. Then they're going to see that the the number of homicides by gun don't change. They don't go down. Percentages will remain the same. And then what will happen is a year or two later, they'll come back and they'll go, look, we banned these long guns and uh, that hasn't worked. So we got to go for all long guns now. And then we'll find out, once again, that that doesn't really do anything. So then they're going to go after handguns because it's the only way they'll ever acknowledge that handguns are the primary tool for criminal activity when you're talking about firearms. They're not the primary tool. They're just the primary tool when we're talking about firearms. See, the goal is to ban the thing that doesn't really change the data and doesn't change the statistics. So then they can say, well, we tried this and it didn't work. So now we have to ban handguns. See, that's the next logical leap. They're coming for your AR, your AK, your hunting rifles, your bolt actions. They're coming for all of that. But that won't actually change the data because so few people are actually killed with those. So then they're going to go for your handgun. We tried doing this, but that didn't work. People are still being murdered at the same rate as they were before the ban. So we've got to continue to ban more things. That is the goal. It's all a stepping stone. They love to pretend that they tried. They did the common sense thing. That didn't work because the common sense thing never was common sense. They may come for shotguns last. That may be the last thing that they come for. They will come for shotguns after handguns. They'll try, you know, they'll try assault weapons, even though they're not assault weapons. They'll try ARs and AKs. Then they'll go for semi-automatic which, of course, would ban handguns and everything else. But, you know, that's that's going to be the rub. The rub is right there. 
hey, we tried to ban these things, but it didn't affect the data at all. Same number of people are getting murdered every single year. So we need to ban the other things that are being used for murder, which are handguns. That's the only thing that we can do. They'll say semi-automatic, but effectively that will ban all, almost all handguns. So you'll have single-shot weapons, and that's about it. That is their goal. Joe Biden's going to run around. He's going to lie to you again. He's, he's running out there saying, Second Amendment has always had limitations. No, it hasn't. No, it has not. Go back. Go back and, and look at the Federalist Papers. Go back and look at the debates in Congress that happened even after. You're talking about, you know, second and third generation founding fathers, people like Tench Cox. It didn't have limitations. Limitations on the Second Amendment are relatively new. It's only a few decades old. Relatively new. But Joe Biden will go out there. He'll repeat the lies, the lies that he's repeated and been debunked on many times. You weren't allowed to own cannon. Yeah, you were. In fact, there was a point in time where all of the cannon was privately owned. The government didn't own any cannon. Those Gatling guns, yeah, they, they were owned privately too. Look up Buccaneers in the history of Buccaneers. It's not just a football team. Go ahead and look them up. Privately owned warships. I wish we could still do that. That'd be great. I wouldn't mind owning a destroyer. You can actually own one. You can get one. Getting the ordinance for it is going to require some doing, but you can do it. And you can still own cannon now. You can still own cannon now. You can build your own cannon. <laughs> you can build your own cannon, and you don't even have to register the thing. But they'll go out there and they'll lie about it. And you got a bunch of people out there who don't know any different because they've been fed a bunch of lies. You know, it's, let's not forget that the anti-gun lobby out there, they don't know anything about firearms. There's a few people in the anti-gun lobby who do know about guns, who we've highlighted this before, who've been begging anti-gun activists to learn about firearms so they can stop embarrassing themselves and damaging their entire movement. But make no mistake, the, the goal is to ban ARs and AKs and things like them because they don't actually get used in murder and homicide all that much in this country. And those statistics won't change, so then they'll have to come for anything that's semi-automatic, which, of course, will get rid of most of your handguns. That is the goal. While still telling you they haven't infringed upon your Second Amendment right, because you can still have a black powder rifle or a black powder pistol or a revolver. We're we're not infringing on your Second Amendment rights. You can have a shotgun. Come on. Let's get rid of everything else. Get more coming up. 95.3 MNC. Sometimes my show doesn't want me to pay bills. It just wants me to talk about things. Go to MyPillow.com. Scroll down just an eensy-weensy little bit. You'll see radio listener specials. Click on that. And then you can get the My Slippers for $90 off with promo code Casey. Any other promo code, you're going to pay more, even if they pay the same price. Make sense? Don't use Hannity's promo code, guys. Come on. He's already rich. Go to MyPillow.com. Promo code Casey. Click on the radio listener specials. Get those my slippers for 90 bucks off. If you if you do it from the homepage, you'll pay $20 more. And then people will complain. My pillow people are like, yo, your audience is like really mad at us. What's going on? I don't know if I forgot to mention it or what, but they kept calling, you guys kept calling my pillow and be like, hey, the price is too high. <laughs> the rent is too high, my pillow. Casey said I was going to get $90 off. I'm only getting $70 off. What's going on? That's because you didn't go to the radio listener special. So if I if I neglected to tell you that on a live read, I apologize. It'd be my fault. But 
I want to save you 90 bucks, not 70 Go to MyPillow.com, scroll down, radio listener specials, click on the slippers, promo code Casey. You get the My Slippers for 90 bucks off. They still have the buy one, get one extravaganza on the radio listeners tab as well. So make sure you check that out with promo code Casey. You get those specials also. All right. As most of you know, we've been tracking that the United States Army is going to rename nine historic bases. A lot of conflicting feelings about this. A lot of people feel that the the renaming makes sense, given the history of some of the individuals that they are named after. Others feel like, well, they've become a part of our history for hundreds of years. Why change the name of the bases now? Different arguments on different sides, okay? So here is the list of the bases that will have a name change and the name that they will be changed to. This has been released this week by the Naming Commission. Virginia's Fort Pickett will now be Fort Barfoot. It's going to be named after Tech Sergeant Van Barfoot, a Medal of Honor recipient who served in World War II. Alabama's Fort Rucker will now be Fort Novacell. No, excuse me, Noves, Novocell. It's going to get hard to pronounce some of these names. Novacell. It's named after Chief Warrant Officer Michael Novacell, who's a Medal of Honor recipient who served in World War II and in Vietnam. Virginia's Fort A.P. Hill will be renamed Fort Walker after Mary Edwards Walker, a doctor who treated soldiers in the Civil War and later received a Medal of Honor. Um, I don't know a lot about uh, uh, Fort Hill, Fort A.P. Hill, or Fort Walker now. Uh, Is that like the medical base or something, which would be interesting that they named it after after her for, uh, for that reason? Fort Hood, this is the thing. Like, there's three bases here that have a lot of history that I think a lot of people are just kind of looking at and going, eh, don't know. Uh, Fort Hood's one of them. So Fort Hood, which is in Texas, is going to be renamed Fort uh, Cavazos after General Richard Cavazos, who served in the Korean War, received the Distinguished Service Cross, the second highest military award, and became the Army's first Hispanic four-star general. Georgia's Fort Benning, this is the one that I think is probably sticking in most people's craw. Um, And again, that's just because of a lineage of what Fort Benning has meant, not because of the General Benning, who served in the the Confederate Army and really did not want to free the slaves. Uh, Super bad dude. But Fort Benning itself has become a major part of American culture. So there's a lot of people that are struggling with the resistance of changing Fort Benning because Fort Benning has kind of established its own reputation Um, aside from the actual general for which it is named, but that is going to be renamed Fort Moore. So Fort Benning will now become Fort Moore in Georgia. It's going to be named after Lieutenant General Hal Moore, who served in Vietnam, received the Distinguished Service Cross, and his wife, Julia, who prompted the creation of teams that do in-person notification of military casualties. I did not know that. Interesting. So his wife uh, is one of the reasons that you you get the, uh, the personal visit now. Very interesting. Virginia's Fort Lee will now become Fort Greg Adams after Lieutenant General Arthur J. Gregg, known as a logistics leader, and Lieutenant Colonel Charity Adams, who led the first female black unit of the Army deployed in World War II. Uh, I, I don't know why they named it after two people. That feels uh, very much like a pandering thing there, but maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. Georgia's Fort Gordon will become Fort Eisenhower, which I think a lot of people were like, why isn't there an Eisenhower? Makes sense. 
Uh, so Fort Eisenhower, of course, named after Dwight D. Eisenhower, led the Allies in in uh, in uh, World War II in Europe, and also, of course, uh, became president. Uh, Louisiana's Fort Polk will become Fort Johnson after Sergeant William Henry Johnson, a Black Medal of Honor recipient who served in the Army in World War One. Now. This is all because of the naming commission. This all came out today. And, you know, if you look at the history of the original people that these bases are named after, I mean, there's certainly a very good argument for renaming the bases. Um, and, and I understand that. We've talked about this before. Uh, a lot of people feel like, you know, they've made their own reputation since then. And Fort Benning is one that did kind of irritate and irk a lot of people because of that reputation. It's Fort Benning, for crying out loud. It's, you know, Benning and Bragg, it's like, eh, Benning and Bragg. Um, but... Uh, General Benning was kind of a kind of a piece of crap. So I mean, there's there is that. Now here's what I don't know. Um, obviously, we've got a lot of you know distinguished people here. What happens in the future, though, if we end up finding out that you know one of the bases who's been renamed after these folks, that person, in spite of the medals and and the accolades that they got for their military service, what if we find out one day because of some Twitter sleuth? That one of them said something really bad about another group of people. What happens then? We got to rename the base again, right? So I don't know what vetting went into this. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that that has happened, but it'd be very interesting. I mean, you could probably say some things about Eisenhower, but, um, you know, is there an example of Tech Sergeant Van Barfoot saying something unsavory that would necessitate another name change? And the reason I'm bringing this up is just, you know, obviously it's, it's you know, meant to be hyperbolic, but we get into this cancel culture stuff. And I'm not saying that this is necessarily cancel culture by changing the names of these bases or anything like that. Like I said, there's a very good argument to be made when you look at the history of the, the individuals these bases are named after, particularly Benning. But when you look at cancel culture going forward, if every statue has to be a flawless human being, there will be no statues. If every base name has to be named after a flawless human being, there will be no base names. We're going to start naming them like Camp A and stuff like that. And then people will make, you know, all sorts of references to camp and base and the letter A and all of these other things that will happen. Um, you know, this is the thing that we, we have to be careful of. You know, human beings are flawed. And, and again, not making a specific reference here for the name changes. But we've got statues, you know, they're coming after George Washington, they're coming after Abe Lincoln, like we said that they would. Um, you know, we went over the, you know, trying to change uh, George Washington University's name here just a couple of weeks ago. And none of the things that are being brought up in the discussion are the things that the Washington family did for their slaves and for other slaves. You know, none of that is being brought up because there's the component of slavery and slavery is evil, which we understand. We all get that. Um, they thought that too, though. And so the big concern, again, at that time, and that's not going to apply to a lot of these uh, base names, but at the time, people like the Washingtons who believed in abolishing slavery didn't see a way to do it where it wouldn't be absolute travesty for the freed slaves. And that was the big concern is that, hey, they've had, they've been here for generations. They've had no freedom. They've had no education. Can we really release them out into the country and expect them to survive and succeed? And that was a genuine concern. So as a result, the Washingtons and others, but in particular, 
um, Martha, she decided that she was going to teach slaves, hers and others, going to give them an education. So when the time did come for them to be freed, which ultimately the Washingtons did free them, um, when that time came, they would have a chance. And a lot of people didn't choose to do that because they didn't want them to be freed. Others did choose to do that because they felt that that was the best way to make them successful. Um, but there's a there's a complicated history that doesn't get discussed about all of this. And you can have that discussion while still acknowledging that slavery is evil. You can do that. And you can acknowledge the horrible history of slavery. And I also think that, you know, in the midst of all of that, you have to talk about Anthony Johnson. You know, you have to. Like, there's this uh, there's this story here that I have. Where did it go? Um, there's this professor. I, I was thinking about playing it for you, but I posted about it on social media. This is a Boston University professor. He's basically defended the riots that Black Lives Matter had because um, the riots were, you know, looting was basically like freeing ourselves from slavery. And, and she came out there and she's like, you know, when you loot, a, loot property, it's, and, and you say, don't destroy property. It's like, well, we destroyed property when we freed ourselves because we were property. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there looking at it. And I'm, just, I'm watching Psycho Babble from a moron who is historically ignorant, and you have to point out that there wasn't just this moment where slaves freed themselves. That didn't happen. Something else happened. It was a big, ugly war after a lot of years of debate and discussion and even some violence, even before the conflict, and she didn't acknowledge that at all in what she was saying, and it was just, it was it was ridiculous stuff, but you know, at this concept of property, let's not forget where that concept of property came from. And it came from an African who was an indentured servant who be, who served his contract out, became a landowner, and he decided that he did not want to release other Africans that were in his servant, his servitude because he wanted to own them. And that's where it was codified in Virginia. That's how it got started. Slavery preexisted that, but that's how it got codified. And then when the country became the country, that held over. Slavery became an institution in the United States. Um, and that is an important discussion to have about the history of all of this. And the other thing that I think has to be mentioned is there's more slaves now than there were back then. And nobody wants to talk about it. The estimates are about 40 million slaves now in the, in the world. About 40 million slaves. Nobody wants to talk about it. There are some estimates that think there might be more slaves in the U.S. now than there were at any single point throughout American slavery. I don't know if that's accurate, but there are some estimates that put it that high. Why can't we have that discussion too? There's a lot of evil happening right now in this world that gets ignored for various reasons. You want cheap clothes. You want an iPhone. You know, you want to drive a, a certain type of a vehicle. And we would do better for humanity to acknowledge some of that stuff while also looking back. We got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson. Top news, weather, and traffic during Michiana's Morning News on 95.3 MNC, your breaking news and weather station. Now, the world woke up this morning to some sad news. Ray Liotta passed away. He's only 67 years old. Obviously, most of you know him from Goodfellas. Some of you know him from Terminator. Uh, Ray Liotta is just, you know, it's a Hollywood icon. But um, he had been filming a movie in the Dominican Republic, and he, he just he passed away. He was in his bed when they found him. 
Uh, see, an emergency service team had rushed to the building. They, he could not be saved. His body was transferred to Forensic Institute in Santo Domingo, where he'll undergo, um, well, I guess they did a preliminary evaluation. I think that they're going to do an autopsy, but they didn't suspect any foul play at all. So there's nothing that would indicate that this would be anything criminal. Um, he's just 67 years old and passed away uh, in his bed. So we we don't have a ton of information about that, but you know Ray Liotta again, Ray Liotta, excuse me, an icon in Hollywood, did pass away at the age of 67 yesterday. Uh, what else do we have here? <clears throat> um, and yet, I, you know what? A lot of people are asking about the the gun data. I will put that in the show prep. So look for it on social media. I will put that in there just so you have it. Let's talk about the World Economic Forum here real quick because there's a couple of stories that I have. I'm trying not to inundate you with WEF stuff and Davos stuff. So I'm trying to, like, pepper it in little spots here and there so you don't get overwhelmed. But the World Economic Forum. Now, before I say this, here's the thing. Before I say this, I want to I want to give you just kind of like a, a reminder here. We know that the lockdowns were a disaster for kids. We know that the lockdowns were terrible for their psychological well-being, and we also know that they have been horrible for their education. Governor Whitmer is trying to get, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. This is like $168 million or whatever it was. She's trying to get a ton of money to replace that loss gap in education because kids in Michigan did not get a proper education during lockdowns. Kids in Michigan are not unique. Kids everywhere didn't get a proper education during lockdown. There's jokes about how this is going to affect engineers in the future and, you know, any serious technical trade. I don't know how serious that is, but there's a real concern about making up for two years of lost education with certain age groups. Younger kids will bounce back. You know, we already know that the stuff you learn before second grade really doesn't matter. But the stuff after second grade, you get behind there, you tend to be behind your entire academic career. Unless something happens with your motivation and you catch up on your own at some point. But the educational system is never going to bring you up to speed after second grade. You have to do it on your own. So maybe, you know, juniors and seniors who finished out the last half of their high school career could be all right going into college, perhaps, maybe. But there's a lot of kids that they are really concerned about in middle school. And they don't really know how they're going to be affected yet. And we're going to spend years researching this. So I wanted to preface what I'm about to tell you the World Economic Forum is trying to push for your kids with the fact that we already know that e-learning and doing this stuff without being in an educational environment is really bad. And by educational environment, I also mean like homeschooling, like you're, you know, an active parent teaching your kid. So if we're just doing the whole look at your tablet, look at your laptop and do things on your own sort of stuff, kids didn't learn anything. So the World Economic Forum wants to put kids in a classroom in the metaverse. What could go wrong? Now, why don't they want kids to go to school? Climate change. Mm -hmm. We've seen movies about this, right? Disconnecting children from the physical world and plugging them into a virtual one is the way to go when it comes to the future of education according to the World Economic Forum. Now, again, this is where... You had Klaus Schwab. It's totally not a Nazi. He just sounds like one. Totally not, though. I promise. He's out there telling you that we're the elites in this room. We build the future, right? 
So this is in the World Economic Forum. Uh, let's see. There's a post on the WF's website arguing that this is the direction that is necessary, among other things, to combat climate change. Rather, pressure to do so will drive the digitization of education. Other reasons would be to better quality, accessibility, and affordability of education. Okay. How are you going to drive accessibility in education or even affordability in education? Unless, of course, you build a government internet. And you've heard me tell you many, many times, be very wary of government internet. For those of you using the the network in downtown South Bend, y'all are stupid. You're dumb. You're getting spied on. Don't do it. You walk in any federal building and you log on to their internet, mm -mm, don't do it. You go to McDonald's, you ever read that little agreement that McDonald's has before you sign into their network? Don't do it. I did a post about that. I actually highlighted some stuff in that uh, that agreement when you sign into McDonald's' network. I encourage you to read that thing once in a while. Children now overly reliant on items like textbooks, notebooks, and pencils as learning tools should in the future become immersed in virtual reality, augmented reality, and mixed reality environments, according to a couple of doctors who uh, clearly don't come from the West. Casey, that sounds xenophobic. Look, all I'm saying is a lot of lot of the people who claim expertise in education and technology in the East probably shouldn't be the people that we reference. Just saying. Now, I'm I'm totally for adding VR, adding augmented reality and, and mixed reality environments uh, to class. I don't think that pencils really mean all that much. To be frank, we could easily do the Star Trek thing and have the little uh, tablet dealio that you walk around with every single day. That, that's fine. Them doing school purely in a virtual environment, mm-mm, that's not good. We've already seen how this plays out. We had a two-year experiment with this, and it was a miserable failure. But I'm sure the elites over at Davos who build the future can figure out how to do this where it doesn't damage children. Right. Keep in mind, it's not just their academics that took a hit. It's their psychological well-being that took a hit. This is the type of stuff that they're pushing at Davos. I understand that there's a lot of people out there going, oh, this doesn't mean much. But a lot of policy in the world is driven by what is discussed at the World Economic Forum. They come back with all of these ideas and they start putting legislation together. And we always have a push for some of this legislation in the United States and in Europe right after Davos is done. We always do. Pay very close attention to this. MNC News Time is 4.31. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. This is Mission. From the first step to the final phase, industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. All right, so we've got inflation is a bit of an issue. And we're just talking about Jason's Automotive here, and we're going to talk about gas prices and stuff. And, you know, right about now, some of you are probably like, hey, is it time to get a more fuel-efficient vehicle? Or maybe you don't care. Maybe you just want a vehicle that doesn't suck because your car is a pile of trash. I had a friend go through that here recently. Go to R&B Car Company, guys. 
pick up yourself. You look, you deserve a better vehicle, something that's more reliable. You know, just just go get one. Just trust me. Just go to rbcarcompany.com. Take a look at their inventory. You got tons of stuff with great prices on them, and let them know that I sent you when you go in. So a poll has shown that gas prices and inflation. We've been watching this. This is always an indicator of the economy. What are Americans going to do with their free time? That's the big rub. What are Americans going to do with their free time in the summer? And for weeks now, you've had the pro-Biden corporate media out there going, Americans aren't changing their plans at all. See, gas prices aren't that big of a deal. Uh, You can totally uh, go out there and still have fun. Well, that ain't happening anymore. According to the latest surveys here, more than half of American families have now canceled their summer vacations. Maybe not their vacation as a whole, but certainly their plans. This is because of gas prices and inflation. My wife looked at me this morning, and she goes, "She goes, maybe I'm missing something here. Was was gas like in the three dollars last week, or has it always been like four sixty? I'm like, it's been four sixty for a while." She goes, "Really? Like, yeah, <laughs> it's bad. Uh, do yourself a favor, get a." Although, don't ever go on lunch. Don't ever go to Costco at lunchtime to get gas. You will not eat. That or take your lunch with you and just eat in the car. Have you seen Costco's gas station at lunchtime? Anyone? Have you seen it? It looks like the worst possible traffic jam at Times Square in New York. Okay? Why? Because gas is 30 cents cheaper at Costco. Sometimes a little less than that, but ballpark about 30 cents. Whether you go into that store at all, Costco needs to endorse this show. Whether you go into that store ever to buy yourself a box of cereal that will feed 50 kids at a time, get a Costco membership because you will be able to pay off your annual membership fee in a month just by getting gas there. I've told you this for years now. Whether you like Costco or not, they're going to save you some money. So definitely do that. And since inflation is going through the roof, you can still go get like a a slice and a hot dog there, you know, for like super cheap. So if your family needs to eat, you'll be be okay. But uh, yeah, just don't ever go to Costco to get gas at lunchtime because it is a madhouse, an absolute madhouse. I would tell you the best time to go to Costco to get your gas, but I don't want you to ruin my experience getting cheap gas when I go to Costco. So I'm not going to tell you nothing. It's up to you to figure it out. And if you run into me at the gas the, the gas station at Costco, just say hi. You'll be like, hey, I figured it out. <laughs> I ain't telling you nothing. So this, uh, this poll from Echelon shows uh, just how many Americans are having to rearrange their lives to accommodate the Biden economy. Asked if their family has changed or canceled plans for a family trip because of inflation, 51% said yes. 41% said they had changed or canceled activities for my children, like camp or extracurriculars. I'm not going to lie, man. We came close on camp. We pulled we pulled the trigger again, but we looked at it and we're like, can we do this? And ultimately, we decided that we didn't want her to go stir crazy in the house. <laughs> Plus, she gets to go to the five-star summit, man. That summit is amazing. But, uh, yeah, we, we had that discussion. We did. Over half of families have changed their summer 2022 plans 
with their families due to the economic belt tightening. That's 51% of families that are having to choose to take a shorter trip, closer trip, or no trip at all this summer because they can't afford it. 41% of families are canceling summer camps or trips for kids. So the kids who have missed out on everything else over the past couple of years because tyrants like Gretchen Whitmer, the one relief that they probably had is getting ready to go to camp, do all those fun activities. Now 41% of them aren't going to be able to do it. So they're going to be stuck at home doing more of the same stuff they've been doing for the past two years, watching TV, playing video games, messing around on their, their phones and tablets. That sucks. That that really sucks. And maybe maybe that number there, that 41%, maybe that's a little different because some of these camps that were free because of COVID are no longer free and, and families can't afford that. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but it sure would be a lot easier. And, and for the record, I mean, a lot of you camps, can I just say this, just as a parent, a lot of you camps are nuts for what you're charging. I mean, it's, no. There is no camp that is worth $200 a week for two days a week. I'm sorry. That's dumb. You know how many camps we ran into that were a couple of hundred dollars a week and it was three hours for two days a week and you're, what? No. You are not worth that. Especially since half of you are going to probably try and swap my kid's gender when I'm not looking. Not appropriate. So maybe if camps weren't, you know, super expensive because you're trying to get rich instead of just trying to do stuff for the kids, maybe more of these families would be putting their kids in camp, but that's not happening anymore. Camps used to be relatively affordable, man. They're just, they're not anymore. You go back to just a few years um, right before the pandemic, when we first started looking into camps, they were fairly affordable. There are a few really expensive ones, but good Lord, some of these are crazy now. They're almost being used as fundraising mechanisms as opposed to actually just trying to break even for those activities. Yeah, it's just, you ask me, it's, they're not doing things the correct way, but then again, I'm not running their finances for them. So if it works for them, it works for them. If it doesn't work for them, it doesn't work for them. Speaking of gender swapping, I got to tell you about this story. I posted about it on social media. A lot of you have interacted with me about it, but I haven't talked about it on the show. We have got to talk about this high school drag show that happened in Iowa. I know that we're not in Iowa, but again, this is just another one of those examples that we have to highlight for all of you about the cesspit that public schools have become. And this is why you've got 1.2 million kids who said bye to public school this last school year, and it's going to be more next year. Got more coming up, 95.3 MNC. Indiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Uh, if you drive a junker, never fill up the gas tank. This is true. Yeah, it's, that's the uh, the old adage, never to top it off. But that's for the old cars, guys. But <laughs> oh, fun times, fun times. Uh, some people are pointing out that they don't like Costco's politics. I get that. But you got to use the system against them. You got to, right? So if you want more ammo, let's say you don't like Costco's stance on firearms, but you want more ammo, save yourself 30 cents a gallon, get the gas, and then you have more money for ammo. See? You use the system against them. That's what you got to do. All right, to the phone lines we go. Brian, welcome to the program. 
Good afternoon, Casey. What's up? Hey, I just wanted to uh, kind of touch base and kind of testify with what you were talking about. Um, so I have uh, five kids. So, of course, the food, you know, the grocery cost is really hitting us pretty good. Yeah. So last year I got uh, with work, I, I got a 12 percent raise, which is great. Mm-hmm. But it's a, a wash. It's it's gone. Um, so this year we were planning on buying an RV and moving. Um, we bought our house uh, about six years ago uh, for right around ninety grand, and it's valued right now at one seventy. So it's I would love to sell for that price. However, you know you go to overpay and it's 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 painful. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were still going to do it because of that raise last year. Now it's like we're going to stay put. We're not buying a camper. Yeah. Uh, there's quite a few changes we're making uh, because of that, and that's that's with a, a, a decent you know pay increase last yeah, year. Yeah, I mean that's a that's uh, a nice so, nice boost from your employer. There's no doubt. Yeah, so f- for the folks that didn't get any type of raise, or you know, I know a lot of people after the pandemic they realized, um, and I think this is probably part of the reason with uh, the shortage labor shortage. I think a lot of people realize with the pandemic. We really don't need two jobs to get by if we sacrifice in these few areas. Um, and I think a lot of, you know, maybe uh, one of the parents ended up just staying home with the kids or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that kind of contributes to the labor shortage, too. But um, I, I can only imagine those folks, you know, going from two jobs to one, uh, you know, the kind of pain that they're feeling right now, too. Well, um, and, so, And here's, here's the other thing, too. I mean, so let's, let's say you're not putting the kids in camp. You know, kids kids don't have anything. All right, so somebody's got to stay home with them, right? So, oh, yeah. you know, you've got you've got that. So you're either paying for for daycare, or you're paying for camp, or somebody's staying home. Well, then that person's got to entertain the kids. And I'm sorry, every parent knows this. You can only play what your kids want to play at home so long without pulling your hair out. <laughs> right. Eventually, yep. you got to get the kids out of the house. You got to get a break, and now it costs money, which now costs more. It's just, it's going to be brutal. Uh, it's, you know, it's it's not going to be fun. You know, people have older kids, it's probably going to be all right. But for younger kids like mine, man, it's going to be a, it's going to be a rough summer. Right. Yeah. And the, the yeah, the, all of the, the lockdowns and pandemic didn't really affect us too much. We homeschool already. Okay. We have been for about five years. So it wasn't a major difference for our family for, you know, for activities, uh, pretty much, you know, soccer, that type of thing yeah. stopped. But um, as far as, you know, school goes, it, nothing really changed for us. So that was not not bad, but um, but yeah, I just wanted to give my two cents on that, and uh, I also know the the best time to go to Costco. It's like a good fishing hole. You don't ever tell anybody. That's it, man. You so. never t- you never tell them. <laughs> so, <laughs> Find it on your right. own. All right, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, <Casey. laughs> Take Bye. care. There's probably whole websites devoted to when to go to Costco. Uh, James, welcome to the program. Hey, Casey. I know I might sound a little radical here, but. Uh, all the uh, gun violence that's going on, people want to pass legislation for guns, uh, against guns, against uh, rifle people who own guns. But uh, what if we just had some legislation that uh, actually took care of the people who did the crime? And if you do a crime like that, that they make it a a crime that's, uh, I don't know, up there with some of the worst crimes and that they just don't take you into custody when when they do find you for doing something like this i I keep telling everybody that i i want deputized posses back nobody listens to me i I mean i don't want a crazy person to put their own posse together i want you know somebody to look at this and go all right this is this is posse worthy you're all deputized go hunting that's 
Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Have Elon I mean, Musk sent him to space or whatever? Yeah. I'm not. I, I can't tell if you're being sarcastic, but I I just think a lot. Most people, most people that do stuff like this commit suicide. I understand that. Sure. But I'm I, I'm saying the people who are at you know thinking, man, if if I wanted to do this, and then they thought, well, if they catch me, they're they're not taking me in. I'm dead. Right. Uh, you know, I think that would detour something. It would. There would have to be a percentage there, and and I just I don't know. Well, the other thing that we could do, and this is sarcastic, is we can I just go get a box cutter. There's <laughs> nothing that's going to stop them. Well, we can um, we can actually pass laws that make like murder illegal and stuff. I mean, right. Nobody nobody that's will right. do it. Um, so that's, that's right. I don't know why we haven't done that yet. That's crazy. <laughs> All right, man. All right, James, appreciate it, man. You take care. All right. Is this, is this Friday? I don't think it's Friday. Rod, welcome to the program. Hey. Hey. You probably have already heard. But we were overwhelmed by cops at the school meeting on at Penn Monday night. I guess it is Friday. Yeah. I heard I heard something about it. I heard that there was a massive police presence, and I yeah. haven't watched the video yet. I'm told that there is yeah. one parent well, that I really need to see. There was only one uniformed officer in the meeting room, border meeting room. There was the officer that arrested the guy last month. He's been promoted. Well, of course. To over. Uh, PHM security. Well, yeah. I mean, he put him. He put himself on the line, and he sacrificed his body to arrest a peaceful yeah. parent who wasn't violent. Yeah. Yeah. There was at least three uniform county police cars and one South Bend police car. Now, when we were standing out in front of the building after the meeting, I saw one black SUV go by, which is what St. Joe County big shots and the county police. Yeah. What they drive. So. How many school board members did irate parents actually kill? That's what I said. Did we riot last month? That's, you know, did we vandalize? Yeah, this is, um, look, this is what school boards do. They've I done know. this all over the country. This is why parents got declared as domestic terrorists. They pretend yes. that they have been threatened and that they're coming yeah. under threat, and then they have a show of force, even though nobody actually threatened them. So they can yep. go out there and play victim while they're sipping on their boxed white Zinfandel, which is oh, probably yeah. two years past its due date. But that's all she could afford because she's, you know, spending all of her money on other stuff. And and that's, you know, that's that's how school boards operate, man. I don't know what I don't know what you want to say. Penn, look, Penn is trash. I was just telling people during the commercial break. Mm-hmm. Penn, if Penn came on and they were going to pay money to advertise on this station and give my kids free transportation and pay me money to put my kids in Penn, it would never happen. It is a trash, garbage school district, and it is so sad to see that because it was so highly sought after by parents just three years ago. Now, did you hear what else happened? What else we found out? Well, I heard that it's time for my news break, and I got to go. All right. All right. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> all right, man. Friday's the best time to do all of this. Well, since we're we were just doing open lines, I'm not going to come to work tomorrow. Because today's Thursday, right? Today's only Thursday. Yeah, I'm not coming to work tomorrow. If, if we just did open lines, then I'm not coming to work tomorrow. John's going to have to find a best of or something like that because if we're doing open lines on a Thursday, yeah, you can forget about Fridays. I'm not I'm not doing that sort of thing. We've got more coming up. Newstock 95.3, Michigan's news channel. Follow me on Truth Social at Casey the Host. Remember, Truth Social is open for everybody now, so go follow me. WT. First step to the final phase. Industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson.
Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. A couple of blurbs here that I think are interesting. Not necessarily important, just a little interesting. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to talk about the drag queen situation at that Iowa high school. Because, you know, some people forgot that it was only Thursday. And my board op is clearly overpaid. So a, a student organization in a- Ankeny, Ankeny, uh, what, Iowa, okay? They hosted a drag show on Monday. One performer gave students tips on gender identity. Don't worry, though. It was just the tip. The high school's Gay Straight Alliance, why is it always the GSA club? The GSA club, remember, they advertise. No, we're just trying to be a safe space for for you know LGBT kids on campus so that in case they're being harassed or bullied, they got a support structure. Yet the GSA's always, always doing a drag show. Like without fail. And as I've highlighted for those parents out there going, okay, see, drag is not a big deal. All right, um, you're a piece of crap. Drag is a sexual art form. It always has been. Perfectly fine for adults to go to a drag show. They're really fun, actually. But if you're going to do this at school or with young kids, uh uh-uh. This is a sexual art form that was created as a sexual art form. Okay? The display that happens throughout the show is sexual in nature. And I would like to remind everybody that if you had girls who were high school age or were just dancing in front of high schoolers or younger, wearing the outfits that these uh, performers wear, you would all be outraged about how exploitative that would have been for those young ladies. When you have males dressed as females wearing thongs and doing full spread eagles in front of the faces of high school kids, sorry, Not okay. And it's always the Gay Straight Alliance who does this. And they're just out there telling you, no, 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 we're just there as a support structure for LGBTQ kids on campus in case they feel, you know, bullied or alone or whatever, that they're they're not. Except they keep doing this stuff. Again, not appropriate for school. If an adult wants, you know, to go to an 18 and over club and go to a drag show, I'm from Vegas, guys. It's everywhere in Vegas. Fine. Doesn't belong on college camp or uh, high school campuses. Doesn't belong in elementary schools. Certainly doesn't belong in a, in a public library where somebody, some 60-year-old guy is wearing lingerie and reading to five-year-olds. And it certainly shouldn't be happening um, with, uh, remember we had that story of the library, the Lego time? The guy shows up in lingerie at Lego time and is playing Legos with other kids. You know, there was a time, uh, well, okay, there still is a time, but, There was a time where universally, if somebody showed up at a library to play Legos with five-year-old kids and it was a dude dressed in female lingerie, that guy would have been pummeled and then politely asked to leave. And rightfully so. That is a predator. That is not a normal individual. That is not somebody who's healthy. That is not somebody who's safe. That is a predator. And when you're sitting here looking at somebody who's got a thong parting the peaches and it is a male dressed as a female and they're doing spread eagle stuff in front of the faces of high school kids, if you think that's all right, I would take your children away from you because I don't trust you around kids. And I'm not being hyperbolic about it. 
It takes an extra special type of individual to think that that is okay for children to see. Then we go to Halsey. Now, I've not heard a single song that I can remember from Halsey. I'm sure I have. Halsey had this very interesting thing to say. Halsey's a pop star. Were they on, I'm going to look at the 25-year-old because I assume he has pop culture knowledge. Was Halsey on one of the singing shows? He has no idea. Of course, he doesn't know who Pinky the Brain is either. So Halsey is she she posted something really interesting um, on TikTok. She says, "I'm my record label will not release my new song unless I go viral on TikTok." And she did a, a whole thing about it. Now, some people think that she's lying about it. She is adamant that she is telling the truth that her her label will not release her music unless it goes viral. On TikTok. So on TikTok, you have these, you know, people use music, and then they make videos with the music. Um, and that's how a lot of music is actually kind of being discovered uh, in some genres right now. But she goes, I've never had this issue where I have songs that I want to release, and my record label is like, no. You know, typically your record label will demand a certain number of albums on your contract, and then you have to have those albums done, and then they get released. Well, she's got the album done, but they won't release her music unless the specific songs go viral, and then they'll release those songs. It's very interesting. Uh, this is a, probably another argument for why you probably shouldn't have a record label if you're going into the music industry. Record labels are they're massive, massive scams anyway. I mean, um, they can do good things for people, don't get me wrong, but boy, do they rob artists blind. Uh, they rob artists blind. They rob consumers blind. They're, they're a mess. The world will be a better place when record labels die. That's the God's honest truth. And luckily, we live in a, in a world where if you are an artist, you can make it and be very wealthy without a record label. And most of the artists who have a record label would have been far more wealthy had they not had the record label, which is one of the reasons that you see so many artists after they become successful start their own record labels. Isn't that interesting? To get away from it all. Hmm. So just, I don't know. It's a weird story, but I believe her. <laughs> so it's very strange um and it, what's funny is that like her her tiktok that she made about this went viral but because it didn't have her music in it the record label is still like not releasing her music which of course she made it's her music but she doesn't own it because she belongs to the record label it's a whole thing so just very very bizarre stuff happening in the world just you know, one of those ways that the world is changing it's it's all kind of crazy uh the federalist i want to talk about the federalist because this is this is i've been kind of like quietly following the story i don't know how many of you have been i like the federalist i like a bunch of people over the federalist i follow them i think they're great uh, and the the federalist was sued by the national labor relations board which is you know like the union body and the National Labor Relations Board sued the Federalist because um, Ben Dominic over the Federalist posted a joke, a joke on social media. And they filed a lawsuit. True story. So Dominic joked that if any of his six employees that he has dared consider unionizing, he said, quote, I swear I'll send you back to the salt mine. Okay. It's a joke. It's clearly a joke. The National Labor Relations Board sued him 
claiming that he was engaging in unfair labor practices. <laughs> so, <laughs> tell me unions aren't desperate right now. So Dominic hired the New Civil Liberties uh, New Civil Liberties Alliance, the NCLA, to defend him. And it was a full slam dunk victory in the U.S. Court of Appeals. Uh, so Dominic and the Federalist won the case. The National Labor Relations Board lost. And like I said, it's just one of those things where it would have been a big case if he lost. But because he won, really nothing changes. But think of what the National Labor Relations Board was trying to do. They were trying to say that your social media posts actually amounted to your management of your employees. Think of the implication that that could have on other people. Like, oh, I don't know, Elon Musk, who refuses to unionize his car company. You think maybe the National Labor Relations Board is doing their best to go after Elon Musk and the whole Twitter situation from a back from a back uh, side way of getting through it? Yeah, of course, 100%. But this could have been a big, big case. But because the Federalist won, nothing really changes for anybody. But, man, if it had gone the other way, talk about a societal change in our country. Every never-Trump Republican owes the world an apology. We'll talk about that coming up. 95.3 MNC. See Hendrickson. The list. I'm Laura Smith. I'm John Simney. All the top local stories, traffic, and weather first thing Friday morning on 95.3 MNC. In the run-up to the 2020 election, the Biden campaign was gleeful about the flood of prominent Republicans who'd crossed the aisle to support Joe's candidacy. These never-Trumpers weren't just expressing their disdain for President Donald Trump. They were heartily, lovingly making the case for Joe Biden. And as we highlighted at that time, if you know anything about Joe Biden's political career, that did not make sense. That's what we call in the uh, the world Chewbacca. Back then, they were lauded as heroes by the establishment. Today, everybody knows the truth. These Biden-supporting Republicans were utterly, embarrassingly, dangerously wrong about the man that they were touting for president. And we are all now paying an enormous and rapidly increasing price for their arrogant stupidity. Nothing better encapsulates the Republicans for Biden mindset than the statement issued by nearly 500 former national security officials in the fall of 2020 backing Biden. Forget about the fact that they trafficked in the anti-Biden lies such as Russian bounty, cited against Trump on China, climate change, and other issues of importance to conservatives. What stands out today is when they claim that Biden is the leader our nation needs. It is unthinkable, these experts said in their statement, that Biden would ever utter the phrase, I don't take responsibility at all. That was a quote. Would anybody make such a claim today? Do a Google search of Biden blames and you'll be flooded with examples of this refusing of his refusing to take responsibility for anything. Not for the 40 year high inflation gripping the nation and stealing American savings, nor for the shortages that plagued the country nor for the 600,000-some Americans that the Center for Disease Control says have died since he took office. Not for the disaster in Afghanistan, not even for his dismal poll numbers. Biden, here's some of the, uh, some of the search results. Biden blames Republicans for classroom culture wars. 
Biden blames his low polling on psychological scars that Americans have. Biden blames technical factors for economic contraction. Biden blames Delta variant, unvaccinated people for weaker than expected jobs report. Biden blames four large meat processors for rising prices. Biden blames others for swift collapse in Afghanistan, defends the decision to withdraw troops, which is contrary to every basic fundamental military doctrine this country has ever had. Biden blames Putin, ultra MAGA, for inflation, vows to give voters simple explanations. Biden couldn't give a simple explanation if he was having a bowel movement right in front of your face, and everybody knows it. At one press conference, a reporter asked, do you take take any responsibility for the inflation in this country? Do you take any responsibility, your policies? Biden's response, I think our policies help, not hurt. We know that's a lie. At another event, which took place when the COVID death toll had reached 800,000, now tops a million, a reporter asked Biden, do you have a statement on your responsibility? And why haven't you asked China to do more, to be transparent on your origins? Biden's answer was to smile and then walk away. We played you that clip on the show. So let's take a moment and look at what other Republicans for Biden were telling the public about the Democrats before the election and see how well their judgment holds up. And keep in mind that these are people who held themselves up as moral superiors to those awful Trump supporters. John Kasich, who's a drug addict, I'm sure there are Republicans and independents who couldn't imagine crossing over to support a Democrat. They fear Joe may turn sharp left and leave them behind. I don't believe that because I know the measure of the man. Of course, again, John Kasich's an addict, so take that for what you want. But everybody who knows Joe Biden knows he's hard left. Everybody. Christy Todd Whitman. We need to elect a leader matched to the moment. Someone who can restore competence to the Oval Office and unify the country. Joe Biden is that leader. Bill Cohen. We are in serious need of a leader with optimism and competence who gives us hope. Joe Biden is that leader. Rick Snyder. Biden is the clear choice to put our country back on a positive path. Cindy McCain. There's only one candidate in this race who stands up for our values as a nation, and that is Joe Biden. Clearly still mad that Donald Trump accurately made fun of her husband for being the pile of crap that John McCain was. Meg Whitman. Joe Biden has a plan that will strengthen our economy for working people and small business owners. For me, the choice is simple. I'm with Joe. Keep, you imagine making that statement, standing in the middle of the best economy the country had ever had? You imagine making that statement and saying it was bad? 43 alumni for Biden said, we need someone who will quickly course correct and show us the path forward. Colin Powell, what a difference it will make to have a president who unites us, who restores our strength and our soul. Yeah, that's Joe Biden, all right. Jeff Flake, the most aptly named politician ever. We need to elect someone who will stop the chaos and reverse the damage. Yet 20 U.S. attorneys, we firmly believe that Vice President Joe Biden is the candidate who can and will provide the leadership that we need to address the deep-seated societal issues that are roiling our country today. We give him our strongest endorsement. Hmm. The article continues. 
Notice how no Republicans for Biden are currently bragging about how they helped get Biden elected. Did the endorsement of prominent Republicans make a difference in the 2020 elections? We'd argue that it did. At the very least, they made plenty of people who'd otherwise have voted Republican comfortable voting for Biden by making him seem like a safe choice. In a close election, small changes matter. And no matter what you think of the integrity of the 2020 vote counts, it was a close election. Defenders of these Republicans might say, well, who could have known that Biden would turn out to be such a disaster? Well, we did. So did many other conservatives who were willing to stand up to the mob. Like I said, anybody who knows anything about Joe Biden's career knows what a disaster he was going to be. The guy was such a disaster that the Democrats rejected him for president multiple times. There was an alternative path Republicans for Biden could have taken that might have altered the election's outcome. They could have said that they find Trump a nasty, brutish, uncouth, loudmouth whom they'd never invite over for tea, but that he managed to do more to advance conservative policies than any president, including the beloved Ronald Reagan, which is straight up undeniable. They could have made the case that policies, not mean tweets, matter. I always want to point out, too, that it's imperative that you understand that Donald Trump never punched first. You may not have liked the way that he punched, but he was always responding to somebody else hitting him first. Always. They could have pointed out that most of the attacks on Trump were bogus, and they were. They could have said that they would hold Trump accountable for any transgressions, which we should, but that Biden was an inept, bedraggled halfwit who was in serious mental decline would be a disaster for the country and who had no business applying to be Delaware's school bus driver, let alone the leader of the free world. They could have, but they chose not to. We're not supporters of the left's cancel culture tactics, but in this case, we'd encourage everyone to ignore anything those Republicans for Biden have to say about anything until they own up to their epic mistake and apologize for backing Joe Biden. That was written by the editorial board for Issues and Insights magazine. I read you the entire thing. And I'll be honest, I don't know that there has ever been a more eloquent way to put some of the things that I would say about all of them that I can't say on an FCC licensed radio station. MNC News Time is 531. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel. Check out Impress jewelers.com this is michiana's breaking news from the first step to the final phase industrial and commercial electrical done right casey hendrickson true story this is on my live stream on rumble right now Go to rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Be a part of the cool kids. Casey, I should have listened to you sooner. I started using the lavender CBD lotion and it does work. I asked them what they were using it for. Horrible mid-back pain from spinal stenosis. Told you. I don't endorse garbage stuff. I only endorse things that I use. We have bottles of this lotion like all over my house. Okay. It's, it's phenomenal stuff. Do yourself a favor, just get the 1,000 milligrams, okay? The others work too, but 1,000 milligrams works that much better, that much faster. Just trust me. 
All right. What else? Thank you for that story, too, by the way. I really do appreciate you hopping on the live stream and, and letting me know that. All right. Let's talk about how earlier today, okay, I was telling you that everything that happens at the World Economic Forum ends up coming back to the West, the United States, Europe, and there's always legislation that gets proposed from some of the ideas that come up at Davos, right? So that's one of the reasons that we pay attention to Davos is because that's where you have all of the creepazoids out there who have tons of money and tons of power and tons of influence because they're the ones trying to control your lives. And when they propose things, inevitably you get people like, you know, the chinless ones, Eric Holcomb, who come back to the United States and they propose new laws. We've talked about a lot of the censorship stuff that's been presented at the World Economic Forum this week. And wouldn't you know it, yesterday, Democratic senators almost on cue have called on messaging apps like WhatsApp, Telegram, and Signal to address misinformation. That was a part of several panels on day one of Davos. You think it's a coinkity that Democrats came back and started proposing this? Now, these are messenger apps, okay? So Telegram can be used as a social network, but WhatsApp and Signal are basically messenger apps. So they don't want you to send a message, a text message, to a personal friend with your opinion about something. They want to control that. Uh Uh-huh. Over 20 members of Congress, including Senator Tim Kaine, Democrat of Virginia. He's 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 a special one. I think that dude, I don't think he hits the sauce. I think he's a pill popper. He sent letters to Signal, Telegram, and WhatsApp asking the messaging platforms to address misinformation targeted at Latinos. Huh? The spread of content that promotes mis- or disinformation undermines public health efforts and instills distrust in our democratic institutions. Again, with the Democrats telling you Less free speech promotes democracy. They have done this several times recently. Less free speech is the only way to promote democracy. Got to be aware of their language. The letters ask the platforms to disclose how much money, staff, and resources they have allocated towards combating misinformation. Uh, Okay. Um, I would say probably none. Because they don't do that. You can use Telegram to replace your text messaging app. You can use Signal to replace your text messaging app. Uh, WhatsApp, I'm not all that familiar with. I use it a couple of times because I have a couple of vendors who use it, and that's how they communicate, and that's about it. Um, So they're not geared towards that. That's not what they're geared towards. They're geared towards being a place that leaves you alone, lets you post whatever you want to post, and lets anybody respond to you with whatever they want to respond to you with. That's kind of their thing. That's the appeal of it. And they really hate that. You know what's thrived on Telegram? Accurate international news. Accurate news about COVID. Accurate political information. That's thrived on Telegram. It's one of the reasons that I'm on Telegram. It's amazing. It's a great platform. Some of you don't like the way that it looks and functions, and I understand that. That's okay. That's why I'm on Truth Social. Go to Truth Social and follow me at Casey the Host. Again, that's one word, Casey the Host. No spaces. You won't find me that way. But this is <laughs> this is hysteric. Now, Meta owns WhatsApp now. So, I mean, Meta's going to be all in on, on this. We already heard that 
um, Meta's Facebook. That we already heard that Facebook was going to start putting things to monitor what you're going to say on WhatsApp and all that stuff. We already heard that as they changed that. But Telegram and Signal are still relatively independent. And Telegram has done some things because they operate in some countries, and they did that for those countries to be able to stay there, uh, which you know you could argue is them caving, but I would also argue could potentially allow their footprint in those countries that control speech because Telegram still has a very robust, anonymous way for you to communicate. So it could allow them a foothold just to get into those countries and still allow the people of those countries to get information out. So there's uh, some arguments there, but basically the first couple of days of Davos, censorship, controlling mis- and disinformation, we control what mis- and disinformation is, even if we're lying to you. And then right after that, 20 Democrats come back and they target the specific platforms that don't adhere to that stuff. I told you, pay attention to the World Economic Forum, okay? It's not an Alex Jones conspiracy theory. Pay attention to these people because everything that they say will lead to a policy suggestion back here in the United States and in Europe. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson. News weekday mornings five till nine on News Talk ninety five three Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon, thank you for tuning in. News Talk ninety five three Michiana's News Channel. I am your host Casey Hendrickson. Just kind of running out of time here, but went a little long in the last segment, but that's no biggie. Um, Want to remind everybody that you can go to Truth Social. Everybody can sign up for Truth Social now. Okay, it is open for everybody. You don't have to have an iPhone or anything like that. I still run into people um, every day who say, I didn't know it was open. So if I'm sharing on another platform or something, yeah, it's open for everybody. So if you go to truthsocial.com, sign up for that. I have been very happy with the platform, much happier than I have been with the other alternative platforms uh, that have been out there. It's great. The engagement is really good. So truthsocial.com. Follow me at Casey the Host. That's one word. You can search for my name or you can search for Casey, the host. It's entirely up to you, but you'll find me that way. And remember not to put any spaces in Casey, the host. Otherwise, you will have trouble having me pop up there. But tons of great people to follow on that platform, and it is very, very engaging. So I highly recommend it. If you've been looking for an alternative to Facebook, that is a great place for you to go. Um, I'm also on Telegram, which is like a Twitter alternative. And, of course, you can follow me on Rumble at Casey, the host. Here's Bill O'Reilly. Have a good night.